Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? One thing that we haven't mentioned, how many of you know that Easter is three weeks from this weekend? Did you know that? I'd, I never had to know whether Easter was close or not because Sharon always helped me. She would say, it's time I've got to start buying Easter clothes for the kids. Time to get Lori and Sherry and Tim and get them all spruced up. They always look great because she took care of that. And of course, then usually on a Friday afternoon or evening, I would say to her when they got the kids got a little older and, and even when they were smaller, well, we got to shop for you. That's important. And so we always did. Well, I knew that Easter was coming when she said that. Now, my mother, on the other hand, would shop if Easter's on Sunday. And how many of you by raised hand know that most every year without exception, Easter has been on Sunday? May I see your hand? I'm just checking. We have the brightest audience. I want those of you online, wherever you're at, the bright, bright audience is here. But on Sunday, my mother would usually do her shopping on Saturday. So it was no like Easter's right here and she's, she's got to do that. And it's a wonderful, wonderful time. So here's what I'm asking. I believe that there is a divine anointing that takes place just different from any other Sunday on Easter Sunday. I believe that. I believe that with all of my heart. And there are people that will come to church. Already I'm compiling a list and have started calling individuals that are once or twice a year, you know, to say, hey, it's Easter. Really love to see you on Easter. And so I'm asking you to do the same thing. Start working and start believing. And I believe that when we do, God will give us a great day and his name will be lifted up. Can you say amen? Here's what I know. The happiest people and the happiest families are those uh, who love the Lord. You believe that? Amen? If you believe it, say yes. I believe it. Now, it doesn't mean that we as believers don't have challenges in our lives. You know, I said to Sharon before the service tonight, well, I'll tell you what, we can just add that one to our list. We just go ahead and add that request right there. Put it on the list. We have our devotions tomorrow morning. We just add that one right on in there because God knows what he's doing. It means that in a believer's life, and the reason that we are happy and, and stay motivated is, is our life is not based upon or driven by circumstances, good or bad. You just know it's on Jesus Christ. It's not based on health. If I got good health and I'm doing good, I'm in love with you, Jesus. It's not based on that. It's based on my love for God. It's not based on my finances. You know, whether I have money or don't have money, good or bad, it's based on, here it is, that relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. And so when I sing, Lord, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice, here's what I know. I'm singing passionate songs to the one that holds me in the palm of his hand. Amen? Who's guaranteed me eternal life. You see, the believer's motivated by trust in the Lord. Do you believe he can take care of you? 
Do you believe that he will guide you? Do you believe that he will do all that he can and there's nothing impossible with him to help you enjoy life if you follow after him? John 4, 34, here's what Jesus said. This is my goal. My food is to do the will of him, the heavenly father, who sent me and to finish what? Capital H, his work. I've come to do his will and I've come to do his work and I will finish it. Now that was the ministry of Jesus for some three years. And so he said to his disciples, no playing around here. We don't have time to waste. He said, so if I'm going to call you and you accept, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to get out of the way. You're going to have to deny yourself and follow me. You understand? Peter, listen, you're a strong, driven person. But listen to me, you deny yourself. It'll be tough. You are stubborn. You are sometimes mean. You are sometimes opinionated. But I'm telling you right now, you don't rule here. As one of my disciples in my family, you deny yourself and you follow after me. That means that we listen attentively to the Holy Spirit. So we find in Matthew 6 in the message, the place where your treasure is, the place you will most want to be and end up being, if you decide for God's living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't miss about what's on the table at mealtime or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more into your life than the food you put in your mouth move to your outer, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body, on your body. So he says, all these material things that most people work hard for, those are not nearly as important as this, your relationship and your love for Jesus. It appears that there is a life so wonderful that can only be found in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus. It's not found in where most people are searching or not found where most of them are looking. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. That's our song. I love him. I love him. Because he first loved me. You see, that intimate passion that you have is for Jesus. And so our text today deals with the psalm, in Psalms 1. And here's what he says. If you're a follower, an admitted follower of Christ, and if you expect to be an admitted follower of Christ, say, I'm a Christian. You know, that's who I am. Then here's what he says that's going to happen. Psalms 1.1. Blessed is the man, or happy is the man, is what it means, who does not walk in the counsel of the what? Doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of what? Of the sinner, that is an unbeliever, or sit in the seat of what? The mockers. He said, happy is that man, happy is that man, who doesn't have anything to do with those people. 
You see, having a purpose simply means that one has a determination to accomplish a set goal. Nothing's going to get between God and me. It is amazing that David states, happy is the man who does not follow his own lazy, carnal, divisive way. So I'm my, I am my number one enemy. You understand? I'm my number one enemy because I can choose whether or not I'm going to walk after the Lord Jesus Christ and the sacrifice or I'm going to follow my own lazy, carnal, and divisive way. Well, why does he list, why does the psalmist list the negative first? David makes an assumption that if we don't have purpose, that is a designated goal or, or a meaningful desire for good or God, he says you will automatically, human nature will automatically stoop to the lowest level. It's all there is. You'll go to the lowest level of responsibility, just enough to get by, just enough commitment to get by, just enough religious activity to get by, just enough exerted energy to get by. What David didn't say was a message that spoke louder than what he did say. And you know what? No one in any relationship with one another, husband, wife, etc., says all the kind of relationship I want with you as my spouse or my son or my daughter is just enough for us to get along. I don't want it to get any deeper. I don't want to drive any deeper than that. Just enough to get along. What kind of life and what kind of relationship is that? You see, what happens, we must not walk in the footsteps of a world that is driven by pride. It's not about me. It's about you. It's not about my own selfishness. It's not about my love for money or power or love for my position or any other thing that would rob me from, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Don't let it steal that away from you. We must share a spiritually focused walk that will follow after Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Jesus says in Matthew 7 this, don't look for shortcuts to God. He said the market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, the way to life and the way to God is vigorous and requires total attention. Focused and total attention. If you and I are going to make a difference and we're going to grow and we're going to be vibrant and we're going to, we're going to have fruit in our lives, it can't be a picnic. It has to be focused. Now, here's what. You say, well, that's mighty hard. No, the closer you get to Jesus and emulating his life in your life, the sweeter the living gets. You know, the sweeter it gets. So the enemy will tell you, no, the sweetness is out there. No, the closer you get to God. If you have a spouse, the closer you get to one another, forgiveness and love, and you do things that complement, and you do things that bring pleasure to them, it's going to get sweeter. 
Somebody say amen. Somebody at home say amen. David said, if you do not have a spiritually focused walk, you will find yourself in the counsel of the ungodly. You know why? The devil will nudge you away. I told the students tonight before service, I spoke to all the youth leaders, probably 80 youth leaders. And so let me tell you something, passion. Keep your passion for Jesus. Here's what I will tell you, young people. The devil will throw his passion in there. And often his passion will seem brighter and more lavish and more charming than the passion that you can have with Jesus. But the passion the enemy throws in there is short-lived. His goal is not, his goal is not to bless you, it's to harm you. But the passion that you have with Almighty God will bring eternal reward. Somebody say, Amen. And so often, the passion that is here for Jesus, if in fact the enemy starts loading passion up and it comes up to this place, and you will then be in a quandary of seeking counsel from the ungodly because your human nature will say, well, I can now bridge the chasm between the two and I can have both. And God said, no, you can't. You'll be unhappy. You'll be miserable. You see, if you don't have that spiritually focused walk, you'll be like the ungodly world out there who put the palm branches down on Palm Sunday but cried crucify him on his way to Golgotha. Is that what we want? That's not what we want, is it? So the psalmist has given us the directive. He talks about that kind of passion. Psalms 1 verse 2. But his delight, his joy, in other words, is in the law of the Lord. In other words, he says, is in the statutes of the Lord and on his statute. He meditates day and night. So he said, it's that passion, delight in the law of the Lord. What a person has discovered and when they have discovered and defined and dedicated himself to a spiritual walk. Here's what will happen. He will quickly determine the need for consistent passion. I told the young people, I said, in your Christian walk, you're going to get accolades from time to time. But a lot of days, you're going to get your posterior kicked. Something's not going to go right. Some prayer is not going to be answered. Some believer, quote unquote, is going to cross you up. Some situation that'll take your breath away and steal you away from the holy presence of God will come your way. You just have to determine that your passion for Jesus always is a priority. Many have stated, but ultimately lapsed, started out good, but ultimately lapsed back in to a purposeless life. 
I started out good. Man, I was going for it. I had things going for me. We'll talk a little bit about that Sunday. Going for me, and I'm excited about the Lord, who over a period of time, because they did not keep the focus, did not keep the passion, it faded away. It faded away. Passion requires a reason for existence. Why do I love God? Because he has a place in heaven for me. That's one. But how about the main reason? Because you would go straight to hell if he had not chosen to redeem you. My only ticket to eternity and safety is in him. That's it. That is the total. So can I love you for that, Lord? Time for self-preparation if I'm going to maintain my passion. I have to have the time that I work on that passion. I have to have a, a direction for the dedicated cause. What am I called to do? Everybody ought to discover what it is God is calling them to do in the ministry and room for create creativity. Ben, who is an associate youth pastor, all those kids, he's about, I don't know, this toy sings worship and here, but, but the kid is an academic genius. He just will amaze. You sit down with him, and I promise you're going to be amazed at, one, his commitment to Jesus, and number two, his, his academic ability, what he knows as a 23-year-old, you know, dedicated to Jesus. He said to those 70 or 80 youth leaders, he said, tonight, y'all, I'm going to go wild, so y'all watch out. And, buddy, they applauded and shouted and clapped like young people do. In other words, he said, I'm going to go wild tonight. It's this this Wednesday night. It's time for us to get together. I'm I'm going to turn loose and let God do what he wants to do in my life tonight, which means I'm going to engage in worship that's going to be demonstrative. Amen? It's demonstrative. Thank God for that. Passion that has no purpose or, in fact, that receives no attention, has no guidance, is limited, and is in destiny will either die or destroy others as a result of it. Do you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to, do you want to be, God, I'm so thankful that you died for me. Do you want to make a difference in someone's life? Is that what you want? If that's what you want, the psalmist is saying, hey, you've got to make your mind up to behave and have a passion that goes after Almighty God. David said passion will cause you to delight in his presence. You delight in his presence. You'll, you'll want to be in his presence. In the presence, the staff says, we know what your favorite song is, in the presence of Jehovah. So what? Thank God it's not one for the money and two for the show, three to get ready and four to go. In the presence of Jehovah, I'm here to tell you, you can be as bogged down and as burdened and as weepy and as brokenhearted and crushed. And you can start singing. A reading. 
you will feel the Holy Spirit that is alive come down and just blow it aside. It's the same thing. You want to please his heart. Speak to me, Lord. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you. Ruth, it was Ruth and 116, it said, but Ruth replied, don't urge me. She's talking to Naomi, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. In other words, you know what she was saying? I will stay connected. I will not have a disconnect. I will stay connected. The other morning, I took, I took two pieces of toast and put it in the toaster, one for Sharon and one for me, equal opportunity house. I took the little liver and went like that. It didn't stay down. What now? Did it again. Didn't stay down. I really wanted toast today. And then I looked up. I don't know if you know it or not, but most toasters will only work if you plug them in. I said, this is a test. Plugged it in. Stayed down. Like it's supposed to. What? If it's not connected, it won't work. So he said, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Relationship. I will have a relationship. You don't like me, I still like you. You don't love me, I still love you. You can't stand my presence, I'm still going to love you. I'm going to have a relationship with you. I don't care where you go, where you run, the prodigal dad or the father, prodigal son, son, go on your way. You st I'm still your daddy. No matter where you go, what you do. He says, and where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. What does he say? I am connected, I am in relationship, and I am committed. I'm committed. In other words, right on to death, I am committed. I'm not going to run away from you. I'm going to be right there with you. So God... If it rains, hallelujah. If the sun's shining, hallelujah. Whatever you do, Elisha said to Elijah, you just keep running around trying to lose me. But listen to me. When that mantle falls, I'm going to be right there. Amen. Is that you? Is that you? Can our world out there, the church will stay that committed? That's, that's a spiritually focused passion that will cause you and I to excel in our walk with God. And it will have to take time. You will have to give him time to be able to do that. So, okay, here I am. Why do I come to church when I come to church? Why do I read my Bible? Why do I pray? I'm doing all the things and I'm in it day after day after day after day. Got in my car this morning. I don't know. Come on into the office. Sharon and I, the coffee thing went off at about 5.10. Coffee's ready. 
going to be a good day. Do our devotions, pray, all the routines, everything else. If she wants to dance, we dance a little bit. She'll get me. At about 10 to 7, I'm cranking her up. Got in that seat, buckled in. I had a thought. I've been doing this a lot of years. Getting in the car, headed to work. Don't know what's going to happen. Don't know who I'll meet. Don't know what problem I'll do with, deal with. A lot of years. And I had that little split second that thought, wow. But then I had that exhilarating feeling that said, you know what? This is the day the Lord hath made. The benefits of being called upon to be in his ministry, in his church. Somebody say, amen. That's who, that's who we are. Then it becomes the prosperity. Psalms 1 verse number 3 is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, what? Backfires. Backfires. It's not what it says, is it? Prospers. Do you know you can have nothing and still be happy? You can have limited resources and still be happy. And most of the time, people that are poor and were poor, and Sharon and I started out dirt poor. But you know what? We didn't know it. Anybody with me? We didn't know it. Coming up, my shoes, I, I thought everybody kept the cardboard box the shoes came in. Because when the hole got in the sole of the shoe, you just put the old cardboard in there. Worked for a while until it rained. How many of you don't want to, you, you don't even know that you're poor. Oh, my gracious, second pastorate, corned beef hash. That, that's just about a heart killer right there. But after church on Sunday night, take out that corned beef hash and put a little bit of barbecue sauce in there. If you want to really make it, put some hot sauce in there. Put it in a pot, warm it up, grab you a slice of light bread. Let me know what that is. Smear that corned beef hash on there. Say, my Lord, have mercy. Sonnies, they don't have anything on me. But who in the world, if I tried to feed Sharon corned beef hash with barbecue sauce in it today, She would probably say, darling, I've never had a better meal. 
Here it is. The prosperity, whatever he does, prospers. That's the beauty. David paints that picture of the person, the family, the relationship, the church. And he said, if you walk and you pursue that passion, Israel, we've been to Israel. How many have been with us over there to Israel? A whole lot of rocks, a lot of dirt, rocks and barren places and flat and mountainous regions and many times trees and plant life were not able to thrive or survive because there were nowhere near good soil or even a water source. But those that were in good soil and in a water source always prospered because of its strength and good health. They never fail to produce a result. And David said, and many think he's speaking about an olive tree here. And the olive tree, it produced shade for the weary traveler, provided food for the hungry, produced medicine for the hurting, offered consistency to the fretful and discouraged and, and became the, the longevity and full of depth because of the root system being so deep. And David said, this is the tree that is the picture of prosperity. It's always served as a blessing and not a curse. Always a blessing. It's a strong and courageous tree that has character and high principles. He said, that's what you're going for. I promise you, you check it out. You take a family who raised their kids in church and with a husband, a mom, and a dad that were true in their commitment and their walk for Christ. And they had family devotions and talked about the love of Jesus Christ. And you take a family who never darkened the door, or if they did, it was only very little, who never had devotions, who never talked about God. And you put that family unit after 25 years and I'll tell you every single time which family will appear to be happier, appear to be more secure, and be more in love with Jesus. And you can tell it because that's prosperity. That's prosperity. When one of my grandkids comes up and says, Granddad, I want to pray for you. That's prosperity. That's prosperity. Didn't just happen. Doesn't just happen. But he said the wicked is like that shaft that's out there. So finally, Psalms 1, verse number 6. Would you stand, please, on your feet? Here we go. Read it with me. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked. Let's read it again. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. In other words, it appears to me that that is a clear directive. It's not might perish. A big chance that it will perish 
He didn't say that the Lord might watch over the righteous. We know that he will. And we also know that the wicked, most people would never say that they're wicked. But what that means is, that word is rebellious toward God. How many times has he knocked? No. How many times has God reached out? No. How many times have you reached out to someone? Well, not now. Rebellious. That's rebellion. Rebellion, rebellion. They wouldn't see it as wickedness. But God said, no, that's rebellion and that's disobedience. And disobedience will keep you out of the favor of God. Do you believe that? Now let's pray. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for Jesus Christ. Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus, I confess my sins. I confess my sins. And I believe by faith. I believe by faith that I am forgiven. That I am forgiven. Take my heart and my life. Take my heart and my life. And use it as you choose. Use it as you choose. Let me be obedient. To your cause. Father God, thank you for loving me and sending Jesus to redeem me. I give my heart to him in Jesus' name.